The Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Licio. Yes, it's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Licio. Hello, Flagler County. Spring has sprung, Rich. We've had some baseball. It's finally here. Oh, yeah, I would say baseball is in the air, but it's not in the air. It's only on the field. We did two baseball games last week, and I was freezing, especially that second night at the ship, Mike. But uh, the first night, we had FPC Spruce Creek and FPC 2-1 and one on the season. Just so happened we went to the one lost this year. But uh, we went, and I went in, in a sleeveless shirt, which was a huge mistake. But, like, I haven't lived in Florida for a decade. And uh, it's nice and warm when the sun is out, about 70 degrees. And, man, that temperature just drops when the sun goes down and we're out there broadcasting the game and I'm freezing. And then Thursday night when we got the pirate game against Atlantic, great win from the pirates, seven, nothing. We'll talk about all that in a little bit, but uh, we get out there and I got the coat. You had the gloves, you had the beanie, the whole thing. Hey, I was hey, still cold. Oh, I'm don't sorry. Yeah. Out here. <laughs> My wife was imploring me to put a coat on. I said, no, no, I have to be a man. I have, I have to. I think I have all these people sitting behind me watching the game. They'll think less of me if I put on a coat right now. So anyway, I was stubborn, but I was cold, Mike. So again, yes, spring is here, but baseball was not in the air. Spring was not in the air. Baseball was on the field. It was still cold. It's still February. And the ball was definitely traveling like it was a cold night in February on Thursday night. I decided at some point, I said, you know what? I'm 40 years old now. You're 40 I'm years too, old. I'm, I'm too old to be cold because I'm proud. I had to make that decision <laughs> myself. And I guess you're going to have to get there yourself. I'm just not as mature as you at this point, Mike. You know. Oh, there's no question about that. I don't even think we have to go there. But right. I said, So I have in my bag that everybody, if you see me out and about in Flagler County, I always have my little bag with me with my, with my notes and all my crud and stuff in it that I have pencils and all that and I have my Georgia beanie and I have a pair of gloves you know because it does get cold out there and I guess that I'm not going to stand there and be cold all night or sit there and be cold all night but you know what wasn't cold was the Matanzas Pirates on Thursday night oh yeah the Matanzas Pirates that offense has not been cold all season they're off to a hot start Uh, I mentioned it during the broadcast first four games 42 runs and then they add seven more the game we were at against Atlantic but really um, and I guess we could get into it a little bit now we'll get to more uh, local stuff here in a little bit but uh, it really um, with, with the Matanzas Pirates we talk about the offense and they're hot and all the runs scored here early in the season but the game we saw uh, against Atlantic it was as much the pitching as the offense as a matter of fact I would say Thursday night at the ship it was the pitching that took center stage for the Pirates and was dominant and led them to that victory. When I talked to Jim Perry after the game, I did say to him that it didn't seem like they had a lot of hits and they didn't. It was, uh, they just made the most of their opportunities. In fact, the Pirates only had four hits in the game that they won seven, nothing, but they got timely hits. And when you have timely hits and you have lights out pitching Reggie Bass through three shutout innings, he got off to a rough start, but he settled in nicely. And then Seth Avalar, Rich, we talked about it on the broadcast. I talked to him about it after the game. Seth just loves when WNZF is in the house, and he just seems to step his game up. 
And there's been talk about that in the major leagues that there's certain pitchers that like to pitch when they were on Sunday night baseball or they were at the the Fox game of the week. They wanted that ball in the spotlight. And Seth Avalar, even at the high school level, seems like one of those kids that when the when the lights are on and everybody's watching, he wants the ball in his hands. Yeah, I think when you at least in the, the next level, the major league level, when when you're when you're putting together a roster, you you try to figure stuff like that out. You say, well, is this the type of player that's going to perform under the brightest lights, a la a Derek Jeter, you know, any one of those great players that you know? Uh, and you know, speaking of Jeter, he's the type of guy. Yeah, he was a great player, uh, three thousand hits, all time leading hit guy for the Yankees. But I'm not sure if at any point during the course of his career you would say Jeter was the best player in baseball. However, under the brightest lights, man, he was the best player in baseball. So I think when you put together a roster and you want to win, you try to find guys like that that really they want that moment and, and they perform well under the brightest lights. And you get in that with, uh, with, with Seth Avalar. And he was, I mean, he was absolutely brilliant. And, and you mentioned Reggie Bass. Uh, I really thought he set the tone for that game Thursday night. By the way, if you missed it, uh, the Thursday night game between Matanzas and the Atlantic Sharks. That game is available always, uh, av- obviously available right now on the Flagler Radio YouTube channel. So go over there, check it out if you want to see this dominating performance from both the offense and uh, obviously the pitching as we're talking about. But Reggie Bass loaded the bases, I believe, with nobody out. There was definitely second and third mm-hmm. nobody out. And uh, he he pulled a Houdini and, and pitched out of it and kept his team in there because uh, the Sharks could have blown that game open early. And it's, you know, baseball, it's, sometimes it can be difficult playing from behind. You put a little more pressure on yourself in the batter's box. Maybe you swing at pitches that you normally wouldn't because you feel that pressure. But uh, uh, Reggie Bass was able to pitch out of that bases loaded jam in the first inning and set the tone for that game. And the offense would eventually come through in the fourth inning. They scratched a couple runs together, the two runs before that, but they blew it open in the fourth inning. You mentioned the timely hitting Applebach uh, uh, with the big uh, RBI single, and I think it was uh, it was Cope with the double, right? Uh, Cope had a double, and t- and Cope had two RBIs, one on a hit by pitch, and then Tate Connor had a two run single as well for the Pirates. And y- y- when you talk about roster building real quick just to circle back to that it's it's important it's more important for the pitchers like if you i don't know how many college baseball fans we got out there but you know in college you have weekday starters and you have weekend starters because your weekday games are usually non-conference games games you're playing to fill the schedule and so if you're the university of florida you're probably going to play ju or unf on a weeknight and then on the weekend you're going to play your florida state series your georgia series so you have Weekend starters and you have weekday starters and you have the guys who are are geared towards those big high leverage games where there's more of a spotlight or more pressure. And so you see that even in the intermediary levels of college, you see that as well. The pirate bats, though, you know, like I said, Jim said that they got timely hits. They did a good job of being patient at the plate. They didn't really swing out of their shoes like, say, um, like Atlantic did the other night, and played pretty solidly defensively. I know there was a few errors, but you know they were they were close. They were close. Um, you know, I feel like, and, and the thing I think we we missed, and as I try to wrap this up, is that Pirates we failed to mention they only had ten players available. They're dealing with mm-hmm. a little bit of an 
illness bug going through the team. And, and Jim Perry said he had players that, you know, they made it to school on, on Thursday, but then by the time school was over, he could see that they were no, in no condition to play. And so he sent them home. I'm sure I know that one of those kids didn't want to go, but. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, you want to play, you get to, it's a limited opportunity here, right? You want to play in these games. You you want to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, they almost didn't have enough players to even play the game and to have that kind of performance. But again, that it all comes down to pitching sometimes. And when you get seven shutout innings, a combined shutout between uh, Reggie Bass and, 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 and Seth Avalar, who again was so dominant and, he had the 10 strikeouts, the strikeout to end the game. Uh, you know, when, when you get that kind of pitching, it gives you a shot. And even if they, the two early runs that they put together, that would have been enough to win because your pitching was that dominant. And you see it at every level. Maybe you're, you're playing undermanned. Maybe you have injuries. But in this game, in, in, in the sport we love, when we're talking about baseball, when those when you have all those factors working against you, if you have a hot pitcher going, I don't care what's going on around that pitcher, you can win the game, especially if you're making the plays behind them. So, and that's what the the, the Pirates they were undermanned. They had the, the the sickness going through the locker room there. Ten players on the roster for that game against Atlantic, but uh, they're able to win the game because man, their pitching was dominant that night. It really was. Yes, and the hitters. They had a great approach. You saw Tate Connor go backside with runners in scoring position. You saw Affelbach do the same. They drew 10 walks, so they were patient at the plate. And really, if not for some questionable pickoff throws, this might have been a mercy rule game. And I, I think it's a great sign for the Pirates early on that they were able to win an attrition game in a dominant fashion against Atlantic. And we'll see what's next because there's a big one coming up next week. Oh yeah, and that's going to be our next game. And, and speaking, of, you know, Bulldogs are two and one. We it's looking like there was a combined no hitter for them in their last game, uh, which is pretty fantastic. We just happened to be at the one game uh, that was not fantastic for for the Bulldogs. That was on Tuesday, last game they beat the Land one nothing. I mentioned the combined no hitter. At least that's what uh, the stats say on on max preps but uh you know we were at the spruce creek game the two wins they win one game they're two and one they win one against Atlanta. as i mentioned one nothing they beat new smyrna beach 10-2 in the game we were at they lose 19 to 6 and that was kind of the um you know we got to see more of fpc but uh and and you mentioned guys pitching well you last year every time we saw uh maya pitch he was fantastic uh, and you can't fault him too much in this game, Mike, because there were a lot of unearned runs and a lot of errors. In fact, only one of his runs that he allowed was earned. And in the game, the teams combined for 25 runs and 14 were unearned. It was a sloppy night for FPC in the field. They made six errors, and anytime you make six errors, it's an unfathomable number. It's going to be a tough night, and you're probably going to lose. And they did. I did like that they got down 19-2 to going into the last inning. And it would have been a great time to just take three quick swings and get the heck out of there and try again. And they kept battling. They scored four runs in that last inning. They didn't quit on Kyle Marsh. They didn't quit on each other. It was just a bad night. And that's the great thing about baseball. I tell my son this all the time because 
he'll he'll get mad. We're talking about those midweek college games. He'll get mad that Florida loses a midweek college game to Florida International. I'm like, it's baseball. Yep. Nobody's going undefeated in baseball. You're going to lose games. FPC's not going 28 and 0 this year. They're not going 27 and 1. Maybe, but they're not going. <laughs> you know, chances are you're not. And so you just, it's not like football. You get one loss and you say, okay, here we go. What are we going to do now? You lose games. It's going to happen in baseball. It's going to happen at the highest level. The best team in baseball is going to lose three games out of every seven. So you just chalk it up as a bad night. You move on and you bounce back. You play good defense. You get a timely hit from Marion Clayton to score Cody Clymer. Your pitchers give up no hits and, I want to make sure I mention that the pitchers in that combined hit no hitter were Jordan Gonzalez and Big Rob Dalton Roberts, and you win a game against a very good Deland team. So, you know, that's going to happen in baseball season. I think that's what makes the game so intriguing. That is that not there are very few must win games in a baseball season. But I will say, if you ask, maybe not the coaches. The coaches tend to downplay this. But if you ask anybody in blue and white or in green and white, if Friday's game is a must win, they're going to tell you, yes, they're going to tell you it means the world to them. And, you know, and that's what makes the, the uh, old Kings diamond class um, series. <laughs> so compelling. Yeah. We struggled with that name. Like I, I stuck with it cause I loved your battle for Beltair and uh, I, I wanted to get one of the roads, and, and Old King's Road you could definitely use to go between the schools. So I figured that was a pretty good one, Old King's Road Diamond Series here uh, between the, the Bulldogs and the Matanzas Pirates. And I, I think it is going to be huge, and um, that's the thing about baseball, and I think that's a great point that you make about the the day-to-day mentality that, you know, you play every day, so it was a tough day yesterday. You got to move on and and uh, uh, get going again today. And just going on that theme, you mentioned the six errors against Spruce Creek. That that combined no-hitter then uh, a couple days later against DeLand, zero errors, you know. So, and that, that goes a long way into being able to have a combined no-hitter, you know, is to be able to make the plays – that you weren't able to make just a day before. Uh, and, and yeah, that's the nature of baseball where, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's every day and you gotta, you gotta really turn the page quickly to be able to get it done. And Bulldogs obviously were able to do that against a land going from one game where you have six errors to the next game, you have zero errors and it really sets up what's going to be a fantastic series uh, next week, starting on Friday, we'll be there at the ship for the Bulldogs and the Pirates. These are two teams that are uh, off to a good start this season. Uh, the Pirates are four and one here, uh, and uh, the Bulldogs two and one as of Friday. So uh, you know it, it's uh, it's it's setting up to. And, and as you mentioned, we see it in every sport, whether it's football, the sports that we cover, um, and I'm sure uh, by extension the other sports that you because you cover everything, Mike, uh, for WNZF. If, if you're not listening, you should be listening. Mondays and Fridays between six and nine local sports twice an hour. The local sports report with Mike Leishio on Flagler's morning news. Check that out. And if you, you're not up between six and nine, uh, head on over to the, uh, WNZF Facebook page and, and listen to the newscast. You'll, you'll get the sports at the end of the newscast. And you can also check it out 
on YouTube. But uh, yeah, Mike is covering everything from weightlifting to uh, track and field. I mean, whatever it is, you're covering it. And I guess I should ask you then, just from your experience, because I notice it from the sports we cover as far as the broadcast is concerned with the football, with the baseball, with the basketball. It just, when you have this crosstown showdown, it just, you can tell it means a lot. When we were just at the battle for Beltaire, uh, FPC and Matanzas at, at the Anderson gym, I mean, that place was packed. And everybody who's anybody in town was there. It was happening. It was a huge event here locally. And you know the players on the court feel that. You know the coaches feel that. They know how important it is. And, uh, and, and, and the play, they, they give their all on the field. Uh, same thing in football. Uh, and I know that's what we're going to see coming up here for this uh, Old Kings Road Diamond Series starting Friday. I think that's March 8th, right? So Correct. Uh, yeah, that's going to be Friday, March 8th, coming up at the ship. First pitch, 7 o'clock. We'll be there. But, Mike, I'm sure you see that intensity, uh, soccer, no matter what sport it is. Let me play. I don't know how good it's going to sound coming through the microphone, but let me play something for you in just a second. By the way, we should shout out the Matanzas lacrosse team that hadn't won a game in four years. They won two in a row. They beat FPC, and then they beat Sandalwood the next night. So Brandy Allred is starting to turn that program around. But this is Mia Applebach, you know, Ben's sister, who scored four goals against FPC when I asked her if it meant more to beat FPC. It means a lot. I'm happy it was against FPC if it was against anyone. I think that says it all right there. You yeah, can hear yeah. the excitement in her voice. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, – and you just – it. like I said, it doesn't matter what sport it is. It's huge, and it's, it's, it's huge for everybody. It's huge for the fans that are watching these games, the families involved with the kids who are playing – you know, for, for the radio station, uh, us covering it, or even the local newspapers, uh, it, it's just uh, everybody, you pay attention a little more. And it's the same at every level, you know, whether you get uh, this past season, that absolutely pathetic uh, New York Jets, New York Giants game, that as horrible as that game was, you know, the attention is heightened for people who are following that area's teams. And uh, you know, it, it's just, it, it doesn't, Mets, Yankees, you know, whatever it is, it, it just, it, it's huge. It's, it's, it's part of the sports culture here, this crosstown rivalry uh, situation, and the players are definitely into it. All right. Mike. And it's not just the players, real quick. Yep. It's not just the players. You should see my DMs every time there's a picture of me in an FPC shirt somewhere or a Matanzas <laughs> shirt somewhere, because I... I try to represent both schools, whichever one I'm at, you know, and then I dress neutral when I go to a game where they're both playing because I am neutral. I want the best for both schools and I root like hell for all of them at all times. But at the same time, if you see me in a picture with a pirate shirt, I'm going to get uh, messages and texts and things from FPC faithful. And the same thing when I show up with an FPC shirt somewhere, it's the same thing from the other side of the county. So, it's a very healthy rivalry, and I'll, I'll say that for sure. And It's one of the things that makes covering sports in this county fun, and one of the things that, quite frankly, sometimes, you know, they, they live in each other's heads sometimes, I think. But, you know, I'd rather have it that way than the other way where they're kind of apathetic for, towards each other because I know there are some crosstown rivals, even like the two schools we had this week, Spruce Creek and Port Orange, that are very apathetic towards each other and just – kind of live in their own universe. 
it's much better this way. Oh, yeah, it's exciting. It makes it fun. And you bring up an interesting point there because (laughs) just a little behind the scenes here. So it's fairly easy to decide what you're going to wear when you're covering a Matanzas game or an FPC game, right? You got some gear, you throw it on. But uh, when you have the the Matanzas-FPC rivalry game, now, oh my goodness, what am I going to wear? I, I can't wear anything blue. I can't wear anything green. You got to try to find neutral colors because uh, somebody will notice and say something. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know about you, Mike, but I find myself staring into the closet a little longer when we have these rivalry games. That's what I usually go to my Flagler College shirts. And in fact, I wore a red Flagler College shirt to one and and a Pirate fan said to me, your shirt says Flagler on it. That means you're leaning towards FPC. Mm. That's not how it works, folks. <laughs> you see, sometimes people read into it. And, you and, can't win. You can't yeah, win. You can't win. You can't win. All right. I, I did I did want to get into this a little bit because it does uh, concern uh, uh, one of our uh, higher profile coaches that have passed through here over the years. I'm talking about Coach Travis Rowland, of course, state champion this past year with the mainland Buccaneers, defeating your alma mater, right? You were there in Tallahassee for that game, which was – by Boy, the way, was I. I mean, an incredible football game to watch. I was watching it at home on, on the cable TV. So uh, so uh, Travis Rowland, of course, was here with the Bulldogs. What was, that was a two, three-year run, Mike? Four years. Wow, 2017 four years. to 2020, yep. He was here four years. The, the, uh, and, of course, uh, what sticks out in my mind, his tenure was the, the uh, regular season where they went undefeated, and then they got the home playoff game. I think that was the most successful season we've ever seen any football team uh, have during our time covering football here and broadcasting the games. That was an extremely successful football season for Flagler County. You've been doing it longer than me. Can you, was there a more successful season than that Roland FPC undefeated regular season? No, I don't think so. I think that the FPC, that was probably the best FPC FPC team besides the FPC team in 2009, when I got my start, I actually filled in on the St. Augustine broadcast and FPC played Matanzas and played uh, played St. Augustine and played St. Augustine pretty tough in that game. But that was probably the best team in between now and, and 2009. And, you know, I think in that game, I just think that Boone's experience having been in the playoffs before where most of the FPC kids had not, some of them were freshmen during that dreaded Lake Mary game, but most of them had not had been in the playoff game. And I think the, they think it just got to the kids in that game, but you know, Travis had a very successful run here. And I know um, there are people who perceive that Travis and I have had our differences and we had a misunderstanding, but I think Travis and I cleared the air and I feel like we're in a good place. And on the surface you say, okay, well he left his alma mater why well, let's get to that. that. We didn't even explain that yet. Yeah. Uh, so just uh, going from there. And yeah, I'm jumping the gun. Yeah, you jumping the gun a little bit. But, you know, with, with the uh, um, that undefeated season with FPC, uh, they get the home playoff game. Obviously ends in disappointment because they lose that game. And eventually, yeah, Travis Rowland, he, he, he leaves FPC. It would have been great if he was coaching Matanzas because then I could have said he jumped ship. Right. Oh, <laughs> but no. yeah, it doesn't work here. The, the jumps the dog pound. I don't know. But uh, he, he leaves FPC to go to the alma mater. OK, head over to mainland. Big program. Uh, and eventually the ultimate success this past season uh, wins the state championship. And now, Mike, uh, there is news 
Uh, Travis Rowland is once again moving on, this time moving on from the alma mater after reaching the pinnacle of, uh, of high school football here in Florida, winning the state championship. What's his next move? He is headed to Camden County High School. If you don't know where Camden County High School is, it's just over the uh, Florida-Georgia line. In fact, um, my wife's aunt and uncle used to live across the street from Camden, Camden County High School in Kingsland, Georgia. Great golf course there. If you ever get a chance, go play Laurel Island. But I digress. It's At first you say, okay, well, Travis left FPC after four years. He left Mainland after three. Why would he do that? And I know people feel like I'm always an apologist for Travis, but I guess it's going to come out that way again. But when he left FPC, I totally got it. He left he left to go back to his alma mater, something that I would have done in his shoes a hundred times out of a hundred. Now, did people like the way he did it? You know, I don't know, but that's that it happened and it's over. I, I totally got that move. I get this move as well, though. You know, this Travis leaving to go to Camden County is not a Travis problem. It's a Florida problem in that Florida has been very much backwards and paying their coaches and keeping up facilities and doing the things that they that Travis is going to experience in Georgia. He's going to experience a well-funded athletic program. He's going to experience a well-paid coaching staff. He's going to probably, I would assume have a bump in salary. I, you know, that's none of my business, but he's also going to open up opportunities. DJ Mayo left, left as the head coach of Atlantic high school after a, Success that Atlantic hasn't really had before since DJ Mayo was there. And he left and he went to Camden County as the defensive coordinator. Well, within five years, DJ Mayo, not only did he leave Camden County as a defensive coordinator, he's now the head coach at a junior college in Kansas. And if for those of you who don't know, Kansas junior college football is basically the SEC of junior college football. It's a stepping stone to being a Division I college coach. And he did that because he went to Camden County. And I always assumed with Travis that if he was going to leave Mainland, he was going to leave for a college job because I think Travis has the ability to be a college coach somewhere. And he didn't do that, but I think he did the next best thing. He's going to a storied program. It's going to be a great opportunity for him. It's going to be a great opportunity for his family. And I wish him luck on it. Oh, yeah, 100%. And a lot of factors go into that. If you're going to tell me that you have an opportunity to make significantly more money in Georgia being a head football coach, uh, a head football coach for a high school, uh, as opposed to doing it here in Florida, and here's what makes it even easier, in my opinion. And you're coming off a state championship, all right? I, I always have a thing with unfinished biz- unfinished business. And like you said, I, I get leaving FPC to uh, go to the alma mater and, 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 and coach at Mainland. And obviously that's very special to him. And uh, I'm going to look, Travis Rowland, best coach I've seen go- come through here. Now, I love Matt Forrest. I think Matt Forrest is right there. What he's done with that uh, Matanzas program and turning it around and having the consistency over the years now that he's had where they're a solid program. And, you know, we followed them to Tallahassee last year. Result wasn't what you wanted it to be, but to get there, um, the way that team played the year before with all the injuries, there's just been a consistency uh, to the program that Matt Forrest has brought to Matanzas that I think, you know, he's probably the second best coach I've seen come through here. But Travis Rowland's best coach 
I've seen come through here. And I, I come to that conclusion because you have to factor what he's done in other places too. You got to factor what he did uh, at Mainland and the fact that he coached an undefeated team here uh, in Flagler County. But, uh, you know, uh, so the fact that he wins a state championship and I think that makes this kind of move for him easier. That was always my issue when he left here because a lot of success, but it just felt like there was unfinished business. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, even kind of like Parcells with the jets all those years ago, <laughs> maybe I'm dating myself, oh, with that. No, but you know, I, I mean, so you, sad. you get, you, you get to the AFC championship game, you know, 12 and four year best season. Any of us ever saw as a jets fan. And before you know it, uh, Bill Parcells is gone and he's coaching the Dallas Cowboys for some unworldly reason. What's happening here? Unfinished business. Stick around, get it done. Uh, so, uh, you know, go ahead. Somebody Mike. tweeted at me that, you know, I shouldn't be calling Travis a legend. And in Volusia County, Travis is a legend. Mm-hmm. And I said, why would I not call him a legend? He won a state championship in high school. He was one of the best players in the state. He was all-conference at Bethune. Every every single year he's been an assistant coach or a head coach, his team has made the playoffs. He's he's played in a state championship and won it. He's coached in a state championship. He's coached in two and won one. I mean, at age 36, he's accomplished a lot more than many coaches have, will in their entire career. So I do think the legend moniker is appropriate for him. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Travis Rowland is a legend. And I do think one of the best coaches uh, in the history of Flagler County as well. We wish him all the luck in the world in Georgia. Continued success to the great coach, Travis Rowland. That's another episode of the Richard Mike Sports Show. Have a great weekend, Flagler County. <laughs>